Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. That's going to take me where I'm going this morning. And um, today I want us to dive into a subject that I don't hear the church talking about an awful lot these days. I don't hear, I listen to a lot of sermons, a lot of messages, watch a lot of things, and I just don't hear an awful lot in church these days, and it's the topic of the return of Jesus. It's the topic of the return of Jesus. And when I see that memory verse, and it says, the, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. And then I put that together with a little study that shows that in the New Testament, In the New Testament alone, there are over 300 verses that refer to the the return of Jesus coming back. That's one in every 25 verses. Jesus is telling his church, I'm coming back, and I'm coming back soon. But I don't hear us talking about that. And I think that we've grown grown comfortable and we've grown cold. And how simple-minded would it be for us to take the Bible that God has given us the very words of Jesus where he says, I love you. Listen, listen, listen. I don't, I don't know what your story is today. But the reason Jesus tells this over and over is because he loves you so much. And he wants you to have every opportunity. Man, Jennifer did a great job of describing the gospel in song just a moment ago. Week after week, you come here and you hear the message of the gospel, the blood of Jesus poured out for the salvation of many. God loves you and he wants you to know that. But when I prayed a minute ago and I said, there's probably some in this room right now, some who are watching online that need to be saved, that need to give their life to Christ. It's because we get so comfortable with just saying, yeah, I'm not ready to do that. Yeah, I just want to have a little fun right now. Yeah, I'll clean up one day. And Jesus says, I'm coming back. And whether he comes back today or in a thousand years from now, we all know that we're going to face death one day. You say, Jeff, that's not a very positive message. Well, it is. I'm positive that it's going to happen. <laughs> I stole that. That's not even my line. I liked it. They laughed when that other preacher told it. I thought I'd try it on y'all. Well, how foolish would it be for us to keep going? And to add to all of that, man, y'all been watching the news lately? Anybody see what's going on in the world? We were just talking about that, Courtney. Man, you look around. I mean, a year or so ago, we were all appalled when we saw Russia bearing down on Ukraine. And those people were just living their lives day in and day out doing what Ukrainians do. And the thunder and the lightning and the the missiles. And then last week, last Sunday, I told us, church, let's pray for Israel. People were living their lives, sitting in their living rooms, sitting in coffee shops, going to work, doing the normal things that they do. And the skies open up and the the gates break loose and Hamas comes in and, 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 and kidnaps people and kills people and tortures people and the missiles and war and all hell breaks loose in Israel. And we look at the weather patterns and I don't know, man, I don't know. I mean, you let, you talk to one group of, of political people and they say, oh, global warming is nothing. You talk to another political group and they say, oh, everything's global warming. I don't know, but it sure is wacky. Am I right? Weather is weird, man. And Jesus has a lot to say about all of that. And so I'll just be honest with you. I'll tell you right now, like if you gave me a, a list of topics to, to preach about on a Sunday morning, 
The end times, the return of Jesus would probably be at the bottom of my list just because you read Revelation and there's nothing really all that clear about Revelation. Would you agree with me? It's kind of a lot of, lot of, lot of allegory and metaphor and all of those things. But Jesus was very clear in what he said. Jesus was very clear. And today I want to take us into Matthew 24. And I want, I want to talk to you from the heart of a pastor. And I want to say to you that the reason that I'm, I'm, I'm treading into these waters and I'm learning as I'm, as I'm studying, the reason I'm treading into this is because as your pastor, I have a responsibility to not just tell you God loves you, God has a plan for your life, but I have a responsibility to tell you that God wants you to have a life that's better than what you have. He wants you to live in holiness. He wants you to have a holy fear of God who created us, who can destroy us. He wants you to know that he is coming back and he doesn't want you to get caught unaware living some hellacious lifestyle, declaring to be a Christian, but living just like the rest of the world as your pastor, I've got to tell you that God wants you to know that Jesus is coming back. That's where we're going this morning. Well, how can we know when Jesus will return? That's the question today. Um, well, in Matthew 24, that's where we're going this morning. You know, you can, you can go to a lot of places in the Bible to learn about prophecy and things that are going to happen. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament, tons of prophecy. First and second Thessalonians, there's revelation. But in Matthew 24, we can read the words of Jesus himself. And I want you to see a few things in Matthew 24. This is not an exhaustive list. There's so much more than what I can get to. Uh, I, there's no way I could preach this whole thing in one sermon. I'm just going to give you a few things this morning. And here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, we'll write this down. Um, <laughs> do not be deceived by false prophets. Do not be deceived by false prophets. So, so in Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples ask him a question. When, when are you coming back? When, when are you going to return? Make it clear so we'll know. So, so in verse 4, Jesus says, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will receive many. Looking at that, reading that this week and just chewing on that a little bit. And I really, I'm just going to be honest with you. As I read that, I thought, well, yeah, there have been some, there have been some, can I say wackos? There have been some wackos that have led cults that, that have, that have gotten a number of people to follow them. And, and unfortunately for those people, for those families who have, suffered their family members following these cult leaders, whatever, and led them astray. It's, it's turned out terribly. But in, in reality, I can't really think of a lot of people. So scripture says there will be many who come as false prophets and deceive many in my name. I couldn't really think of a lot. And I started studying that passage. And what I found was there's a, a whole group of theologians that would say that when you read that passage, you know, what we have today is, is translated from, from, from Greek and the Greek didn't have all the commas and quotation marks and all of those things. What if you read it another way? What if you read that another way? Watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. What if you read that to say there are many groups of people that will say, yeah, we follow Jesus. Yeah, we're Christians. But when you start digging into what they actually believe, does it line up with the teachings of the Bible? What do you mean, Jeff? Lord help me, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm going there. I'm going to say it, man. We all have friends. We all maybe have family members, people we know who maybe consider themselves Christians. And their version of being a Christian 
is different than what our version of being a Christian is. For example, several years ago, I went to Utah and learned a lot about the Mormons, Church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. They even call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ, the Mormons. How many of you have had a Mormon knock on your door and uh, you come and try to come in and give you some information, whatever? Yeah, a lot of us have. Um, you know, here's what I'll say. When I went to Utah, most beautiful place I've probably, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. The people there were amazing. They were wonderful. They were kind. They were good. I went to a park and, and, and families were playing in this park and the kids had their bikes and, and it started getting later in the day and the kids just laid their bikes down and took off and run to their homes all over the little neighborhood. I'm like, bro, they going, they going to leave their bicycle there? Somebody going to jack that thing. They're like, they're like, no, that don't happen here. They don't happen. It'll be there tomorrow morning. Nobody messes with that. And what I learned was they were a very moral culture, very good. Right? Like they were better than us, morally speaking. But when you start asking questions about what did they believe, well, they say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe that Jesus and God are, are that Jesus is the second person in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They, they don't even believe that God uh, has always been the supreme being in, in all of creation. They believe that God was once good and he lived uh, a moral and righteous enough life that he became God. And you won't hear them talk about this, but, but when I started asking questions in Utah, we went to, we went to the, the Mormon tabernacle, saw the movie, toured the ground, saw the whole thing, man. And you start, you start asking questions. And, and one of the things that they say is, as, as, as he once was, you too shall be. So what does that mean? Well, if you live a good enough life, when you die, if you live a good enough life, you can be the God of your own planet. All right, cool. I'm out. Thank you. But they, they, they consider themselves to be Christians. Oh, well, we're like Baptists or Methodists or, or no, 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 no. Deceiving many. What about Jehovah's Witnesses? I'm sure some of you have great friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sure you may have some family members. We've had people that are part of our church that, that are still Jehovah's Witnesses that come check us out, that have family members. And hear my heart on this, folks. I love all of these people. True story. There, there's a, um, there's a, a Mormon ward uh, right off of Piney Forest. I drive by it all the time. Anytime I see a Mormon church, and pay attention, when you ride by a place where the Mormons worship, there will be a steeple on it, but you know what's not on that steeple? There's no cross. That's a problem. I got a problem with that. Jesus is at the head of our thing. The, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, here's what I'm saying. When I, when I ride by that, I'll get back to the Jehovah's Witness. When I, when I ride by that Mormon ward, I often say, God, I pray for those people who are so deep in this thing that don't know you. I pray against the evil that Satan is, is putting in front of those people. Same thing with Jehovah's Witness. I love these people. Wonderful, good people who have been taught in a way that is, that is not in line with our scriptures. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the archangel, the highest created being. And if you've read the scriptures and study, you'll know that Jesus is not a created being. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning. There is no beginning for Jesus. Um, they believe that salvation is attained through a combination of faith and good works and obedience. Catholics. Do I dare even touch on that one? Catholics. I know a lot of good Catholics who, who love Jesus, follow Jesus, and, and here's what I'm going to say. I love those people. 
I have lots of friends who are Catholics and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get in their face and, 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 you know, have a wrestling match with them. But, but here's what I see. If you've ever been close to the Roman Catholic church, well, there's some things that just don't line up, man. Why are we praying to mother Mary when Jesus is the one who gave his life on the cross for us? Why do I have to talk to a priest to confess my sin when we have a great high priest? Why is it that the Roman Catholic Church says that, that the way that, that you earn salvation is by doing good works and by being a faithful member of the Roman Catholic Church and that's the way to salvation? Here's what I'm saying. Many will be deceived. The name of Jesus is put out there and so many people follow. And here's what I need us to know as a church. How do we know? You, some of you are sitting there right now thinking in your mind, well, how do I know what's right? Because those people believe that as much as we believe. Well, here's what you'll find. When you begin following Jesus, when you begin reading the Bible and you begin comparing scripture with scripture and comparing that with archaeology and comparing that with history and you, you put it all together, you will find that Christianity, biblical Jesus following Christianity is a very reasonable faith. And it does make sense. And all of the other, all of the other religions that you'll follow, where does it trace back to? It traces back to a man, right? Joseph Smith, the Mormons, uh, he claimed that, that God gave him special revelation. And yeah, the Bible's a good book, but I'm going to add this to it and this to it. No, it doesn't work that way. Here's what God wants you to know. Here's what Jesus wants you to know. In the last days, there will be many that proclaim my name. You better know who Jesus is. You better know the Jesus of the Bible. You know, Paul even said in Galatians 1a, he said, even if we are an angel from heaven preach to you a gospel other than this, let us be accursed. Let us be eternally damned if we preach something other than the, the simple, basic Christian gospel that Jesus is Lord, Jesus saves. We have to know this church. And if you're someone this morning who you hear this and you're thinking, man, I don't know what I know. I had a friend years ago who said, man, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep in it. I just, I just believe because I believe. My brother, you better get that Bible up and better get to reading. Don't just, don't just settle for believing what mama told you, what grandma told you, because a lot of us have gotten it wrong through the years. It breaks my heart to see people who have gone to church for year after year in lots of places and they've never heard the gospel. They've gone to churches and the gospel has never been clearly presented and they don't know it. And yes, some of that's on the church, but some of that's on us as individuals too. Because if we don't make time and make a priority to open the Bible and read and dig and ask questions, then we're never going to get there. Well, y'all got quiet as an 11 o'clock group in here all of a sudden. Y'all with me? Huh? Y'all hearing me this morning? All right, I'm going to keep going. Ain't nobody told me to stop. I'm going to keep going. I guess the emails will blow up, whatever. It's cool. Here's another thing. There will be birth signs that are clearly visible. And I think this is what some of y'all have been talking about. I've heard this conversation so many times this week. Verses 6 through 8, Jesus says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Huh. Interesting. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. And truthfully, there's always been wars, right? We know this. There's, there's always been wars and rumors of wars. Um, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the, the beginning of birth pains. So when we look around at our world, yeah, yeah, you can say, you certainly can say that, uh, we got Ukraine and Russia and we've got, we've got Israel and Palestine or Hamas or whatever, however you want to frame that. But there's always been wars. But here's what I know. 
Um, ladies, raise your hand if you've ever been pregnant, ladies. Right? That's a lot of y'all. Um, would you agree? I've never been pregnant, praise God, but um, would, you, would you agree with me that there's a difference in a lady who's two months pregnant and a lady that's two days past her due date pregnant? Huh? Y'all, y'all got riled up on that one, right? Well, how do you know the difference? Well, you can tell. I mean, you can, you can look at mama who's about to have a baby and tell that woman's pregnant. Now, we ain't going to say nothing because we're smarter than that, right? But you can tell. There's a difference. You can look at a woman that's, that's about to have a baby and tell she's about to have a baby. Well, you can look at this world that we're in right now and tell that if, you, if you've read scriptures, you can tell that there are things that's happening. Like, like you read these scriptures that talk about, I remember being in, in revivals like as a teenager and an old preacher coming in and talking about how there's going to be these two witnesses in the street and they'll be struck dead and the Antichrist will kill them and they'll be celebrating and then, then those two witnesses will lay dead in the streets in Jerusalem for a period of time and then they're going to come back to life and they're going to ascend to heaven and the whole world's going to be watching. I'm sitting there as a teenager, how's that going to happen? But look at it today. That couldn't have happened in 1987. The whole world would not have been able to see it while it was happening. How would that happen today? Right. Scripture talks about there will be, there will be one currency. How many of y'all got an Apple Pay on your phone? How many of y'all pay with your watch sometimes? It's only one step away from, oh, we don't need a watch. We don't need a phone. Let's just have a microchip, Right. It's not a stretch. We can see how these things could happen today. There will be signs that are clearly visible. And all of that is, is, is ramping up, man. Technology is moving forward. All of the things that have been prophesied are getting closer and closer and more and more feasible. We can see the wars. We can see the natural disasters. From my understanding of the prophecies in Daniel, the 70 weeks, all of those things, my understanding, which is limited, but my understanding of that prophecy is that the only one that has not yet been fulfilled is the prophecy that that the gospel will be taken to all, it says nations, but that's really translated from from ethnos, which means people groups, linguistic groups, and the, 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 the gap of the number of uh, language groups that has heard the gospel and those that has not has closed dramatically over the last 20 years. And, and in the next 20 years, that's going to dissipate. The gospel through technology is able to go everywhere. How, raise your hand. I mean, maybe you know about this, maybe you don't, but you have a cell phone and you have a Bible app downloaded on your cell phone. Anybody got a Bible app? Right. We used to go to church and, and the little old lady would pull up in the church and in the back seat of her, her 45 foot electric 225, there was a dog with a bobbing head and there was a Bible that had been laying there since last Sunday, right? <laughs> the only time people got their Bibles out was to walk into Sunday school. Now we got a Bible with us when we go to the bathroom. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you don't believe that things are lining up, you are flirting with disaster, man. It's happening. Here's another thing. It says many will turn away from Jesus. Many will turn away from Jesus. Go on to verse 9 here. It says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Now, Jesus is talking to his followers. They ask him, how are we going to know the end? Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted, put to death. By the way, all of his, his original 12 followers, uh, Judas went out and hanged himself. The other 10 of the other 11 were killed by persecution. The only other one that was not murdered, uh, was, was not martyred, 
um, was John, and the only reason he wasn't martyred was because God wouldn't let him die. They boiled him alive in a vat of oil and didn't kill him. And so they said, we can't even kill this dude. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos, was like sending him out into the wilderness. And there, God showed up to him and revealed to him the end times, which is why the book of Revelation, God revealed to him what would happen. But what he, what, what, what Jesus is saying was happening even with these guys. They were martyred because of their belief. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That means I believe in Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my savior. I'm not letting go of Jesus. I'm not running. I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid. I might be afraid, but I'm not letting go. Whatever happens, I'm going to continue to follow Jesus, whatever that looks like. I'm, the pressure gets turned up. There's nothing they can do to me that's going to make me deny my Jesus. What's he saying? Hang on. Be strong. Don't give up. Verse 14 in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Here's the thing, man, in our culture, we're nowhere near that. Like, it's not hard to be a Christian in America. Come on, man. We, we walk around with t-shirts on talking about Jesus, got bumper stickers, right? We put stuff on our little Facebook stuff. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, all of that stuff. It's easy to be a Christian right now. But Jesus tells us that wickedness is going to increase. You know what happens when wickedness increases? Wickedness is just the evil things, the sinful things that people do. And a lot of us, maybe even some who are sitting in this room right now, as the wickedness increases, that wickedness looks like fun. It looks like, man, I'm trying to go to church. Man, I'm giving a percentage of my income to the church. Man, they always want more from me. They're always asking me to do this. But my friends out here, right, they're they're going and doing this on the weekends. And they never have to go to church. And they don't get up early and read. It would be so much easier. And so, so, so I don't think most of us make that decision that, man, I'm just not going to be a Christian anymore and jump off the cliff. I think we just begin the slow, slow slide. And we stop doing some of the things that we've always done. And we start slipping away and the voice of God is so far away that we can't even hear him. And the voice of culture is calling to us so loudly that we want more and more and more of what they've got because it's fun and it's good and it feels good. And all the time we don't even realize how we're flirting with disaster. The love of many will grow cold. This very building right now where we're sitting, this church back in the 80s, Third Avenue, Congregational Christian Church. I talk to people all the time who they ask me where our church is. I tell them, oh yeah, I grew up there. Oh yeah, I got married there. Oh yeah, my kids were baptized there. This church, this building right here, they tell me used to have eight, 900 people on a Sunday morning, every Sunday, cars flooding the neighborhood of people coming in here. And when we bought this building, there were about 40 people that still called this church home. This sanctuary was sitting empty, dust. They met in the room down the hall that's our kids' room now, little chapel down there. Why? Because people don't go to church now like they did. We get distracted. As as wealth increases, 
Opportunities increase. There's more chances to have fun and do things and have more. And we get called away from meeting together as a church. But I know, and I hope you know, that right here, right now on Sunday morning, being in this place is the epicenter of us being filled up and prepared to connect with each other, to go out and serve the world, to do the things that we need to do, to care about one another, to have a family, to have depth. This is our network. This is our... He is our strength and we lean into each other and we need each other. But there's so much out there that pulls us away. And he tells us the love of many will grow cold. Many will turn away from Jesus. And I see it happening all the time. I showed y'all a graph a few weeks ago of what the church looked like just a few years ago and how that has declined church attendance. The nuns have risen, people who have no affiliation. Jesus told us that these things are going to happen as the end times come. But he also told us what? I'm coming back. You better be ready. You can be out there having all that fun you want to have, but I'm coming back and I'm not telling you when it's going to be. And that leads me to my next thing. No one knows when Jesus will return. Man. People of God have just gotten so comfortable. So comfortable. It reminds me as I think about this, how, how, You know, you study the Revolutionary War and you study that midnight ride of Paul Revere. British ships coming into the harbor. People are asleep. Paul Revere sees the British ships pulling into the harbor, gets on his horse, has his lantern, running through the streets. The British are coming. The British are coming. There was such a passion. I've got to save these people. Where is that in our church? Well, no one knows when Jesus will return. And if we skip down in in chapter 24 to verses 36 and through 38, Jesus says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son. Jesus himself doesn't even know, but only the father, only the father. And this is so interesting in verse 37. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, you remember Noah, the flood, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, And drinking, marrying, giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. Some of us are people of a certain age. I wonder if any of y'all might remember this. Guy named Edgar Wisnett, if I'm saying that word, that name right, was a former NASA rocket engineer, mathematician, and he predicted in 1988 that on September 12th that Jesus would return. Anybody remember that? Okay, just me. Okay lonely up here. I remember that, man. I actually remember that. And, and I remember there being this little, this little, I mean, I ask if anybody remember. there, there were people who literally sold their homes, sold their farms, sold their land. They, 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 I remember this being in the news. It was a big deal, man. I remember going outside on September 12th, like hope he's wrong. I remember that. And he, he, he made this prediction based on mathematics that that was the day that Jesus was going to return. Well, obviously he didn't. And so he went back to the lab and calculated again. And he came back and uh, he, he said, oh, miscalculation, it's going to be in October. Well, October came and went and he missed it again. And that wasn't when it was. Um, Jesus says, nobody knows. So if somebody tells you they know when Jesus is coming, just go on about your business. They don't know because Jesus says, even I don't know. But he says it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. And so, so God told Noah, I'm going to send a flood. What's a flood? Well, I'm going to send rain. What's rain? 
They had never known rain before the flood because God sent water up from the ground and, 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 and he, he, he watered everything without rain. But the people had grown so wicked that everyone did only what was right in his own heart all the time. Nobody cared anything about God except Noah and his family. And so people were getting married. People were living their lives. People were just going about their business. Noah's out here for, for so long, years, building the ark. What are you doing, Noah? It's going to rain. What's rain? You'll see. Um, he keeps building, keeps building, keeps building. And then the rain begins to fall. And before they know what's going on, the flood begins to come. And just like that, the whole earth is underwater. And Jesus is saying to us, when the Son of Man returns, it's going to be like that. No one's going to know. We will just be going about our business. Man, who's playing football today? What have we got coming up? What's my calendar look like? What are we going to have for supper? And in the twinkling of an eye, the sky is going to split. The trumpet's going to sound. And the Lord's going to begin the process of the return. When will the end happen? Well, I don't know, but you can see the process play out in Revelation I'm going to just take you through a little quick how the end unfolds in Revelation. I'll show you this. You can study there. You don't see, you don't see all the details in Revelation. You have to kind of put Revelation together with first and second Thessalonians and Daniel. And it's a whole, it's a whole matrix to put together. But, but the gist, the gist of it, let me take you through the gist of how the end unfolds in Revelation. Um, number one, the church age, that's where we are now. So if you look back through church history, the period before the cross, the, the old covenant age, and then at the cross, the resurrection, Jesus gives his life, and then the church begins in Acts. We're still in the church age. So in Revelation, when you read it in chapters two and three, to the church at Laodicea, right? He, he writes these things. He says, tell them, I know your works, and you're neither hot nor cold, and because of that, I want to spit you out of my mouth. He writes these letters to the churches that could be written to us. We are in the church age. What would Jesus say to our church if he wrote a letter to us? He would tell us he's coming back. The second thing here is the rapture. And the rapture is not the same thing as the second coming of Christ. The rapture is when Jesus is going to call the church away. And so the second coming comes later, but the rapture is when, when, when Jesus calls his church. And I believe, now there's lots of theologians that have tons of beliefs. Maybe I believe this because I want to believe this, but, but, but I believe that Jesus is going to take the church away before the tribulation and all of those things happen. But, but the rapture is when the sky splits and we'll, we'll be doing our thing, man. We will be working. We'll be playing. We'll be doing whatever. And the trumpet blows and the church is taken away. And the dead in Christ will rise, meeting those who are alive, all of those things. And, and it'll be chaos. People will be driving cars and there's nobody driving the car anymore. That's the rapture. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. And then that gives way to the rise of Antichrist. Antichrist is this, this, this person who becomes this being that has power that we've never seen anything like it before. And, and so John describes all of this in Revelation. If you read Revelation and you read about these, these beasts that have four heads and eyes and horns and all of these things. Well, how would you, if you had never heard, if you were, if you were alive 2000 years ago and you'd never seen an Apache helicopter, how would you describe that thing? Right. What, wonder what John was seeing because God was revealing to him things that would happen, right? And so, so he's seeing war and he's seeing uh, all of the things that happen. And, and when we, we, we read that, there, there is a lot of allegory. There's a lot of mystery. But the rise of Antichrist means that there is war now taking place right here on this world. Destruction, chaos, all of those things leads to the, the tribulation. You can read through all of that in, in Revelation 6 through 19. And the Antichrist just wreaks havoc on this world. Wonder why that is. 
Well, let me ask you this. What would our culture, what would our world look like today if the church were to be removed? If followers of Jesus, people who love God, worship God, were to be removed and the culture were left without people who love God, what would it look like? It would be chaos. There's a lot of things wrong with the church, but the church does an awful lot right too. The church loves people and proclaims the gospel. And so, so there's the tribulation and then there's the second coming. Come on now, this is where we start getting excited, church. At the second coming, man, Jesus begins to pull together his army. The, the Antichrist is having his way on this world and destroying people and making chaos and, and it's terrible and it's awful. And there will be people who will be saved during that tribulation period. They can still come to know the Lord, but it's gonna be awful. It will be awful. It'll be so hard without the church being here. And if you are a Christian, how are you gonna buy bread if you don't have the mark of the beast, right? I can't go into all of that today. But that's what it's talking about. But at the second coming, Jesus gets on his white horse and it says, it says written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he mounts up on that horse with his angels, with his warriors. And that begins to come back into the world. The Valley of Megiddo, the Battle of Armageddon, and Jesus wages war. In that same chapter 19, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb where Jesus, the, the Lamb of God, and the bride of Christ's church are seated at that supper in victory. Then there's the millennium. So in 19, I know, I know, have I, have I lost y'all? Y'all, y'all with me? Y'all got real quiet. In, in chapter 19, Jesus's second return, battle of Armageddon, Satan is destroyed, defeat, not destroyed, but defeated. He and all of his demonic armies cast into the lake of fire for a thousand years. There's peace on the earth. And I don't understand all of this, but there's a thousand years. And then number eight, the last rebellion, God looses the, 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 the lid on the pit and lets Satan and his demonic army out of the pit again. They come back onto the world. So it's been a thousand years of peace. They come back onto, onto our world and create chaos. And it says they will surround the holy city and the people of God. How do I know the people be saved? There's people of God in the holy city during that time. And Satan, his army surrounds them about to attack. And it says fire will come from heaven and Satan and all of his demons will be cast into the lake forever where they will forever be torn tormented and never be let loose to bother mankind again. Can we thank God that that's going to happen one day? And after that last rebellion, there's the great white throne judgment. Verses 11 through 15 of chapter 20. And at the great white throne, it says the books will be open. Two judgments. There's a judgment for people who gave their life to Christ. Read Matthew 25. He says he'll bring all the nations before him. He'll separate on his right hand or the sheep, on his left or the goats to the sheep. He'll say, enter into my kingdom. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you'll be ushered into paradise, I guess. And when we enter in there, there's, there's, there's another judgment for believers, but that judgment is where all of the acts, all of the things that we've done will pass through the fire and only the things that we have done for Jesus will come out of the fire. And that's where our, our crowns and our, our jewels and all those things, and we will have that to bow down before King Jesus and have something to offer him. I hope that we have something to offer Jesus because we've lived a life that bears that kind of fruit. But there is also a judgment for those who never gave their life to Christ, never followed Jesus. And they thought, well, there will be time. And one day, and I'm not done having fun right now. The truth of it is, man, 
You could meet that through death or you could meet that through the rapture. It's the great white throne. All of those who have rejected Jesus, even though he did everything that was needed for everyone to come to know him, it's over at that point. Jesus doesn't want anyone to go to heaven. It's not, I mean, to go to hell. It's not his will that anyone would go to hell. And so he did everything that was needed so that every one of us could accept his offer of grace and salvation and be saved, follow him. He leads us into our life and goodness. But if we reject him, we say, no, I'm not going to do it that way, Jesus. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And there's nothing more that Jesus can do. If you end your life, in that place, Scripture tells us there's a lake of fire. You will be separated from God for eternity. And I don't want to over-sensationalize all of that, man, but the Scripture is very clear. Jesus was very clear because he doesn't want anyone to go to that place. And it's made, he has made it possible so that no one has to when we accept his offer of grace. So the last one there is eternity. And that's where we spend eternity with God. I told you about the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Let me just read one more passage of scripture and I'll wrap up here. In in, in verses 38 through 44, I've already read some of this, but it says, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Men, if that were to happen right now, would you be taken away to heaven? Or would you be left here to face the Antichrist, the tribulation, or whatever comes after that? Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken, and the other left. Ladies, do you have a confidence because of your faith in Jesus, because of your relationship with him as it stands right now, not what it will be one day, But do you know right now that if Jesus split the sky and pulled you out right now that you would be with him? It says, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. That's Jesus' words. So I have two questions for you in closing. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you sure that you're ready? Are you sure that you have that personal relationship with Jesus? You're not perfect, but you've given your life to him. And you know that you know Jesus and he knows you and you talk to him and he talks to you and you read his word and you try to follow it and you try to serve the world around you and you do your best to live a Christian life. Do you know that? Or do you know that that's not me? If Jesus walked in that door right now and he started going to the people that he knows, you know, he said, on that day I'll say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Jesus wants to know his people. If he walked in the door and he started seeing people and high-fiving people, hey man, proud of you, you're doing a good work, keep up the good work, good to see you, I know everything you're going through. Would Jesus walk up to you and look into your eyes and say, now, what's your name? Do you know that he knows you and you know him? Jesus has sent me here today to say to you, 
You better know. And you can know. And the end is coming. Jesus is coming back. It might be today. It might be a thousand years. I don't know. Jesus doesn't know. But he loves you. And he's saying to me today to ask you the question, are you sure you're ready? And the second question, I don't even know if I want to go to that question, but the second question is if you do know you're ready, who are you telling? Because God's looking for some Paul Revere's in this room. I'm going to ask every person in the room, stand to your feet right now. I'm going to ask you to just be quiet and still. Close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. God's making an invitation to you right now. He's saying, I love you too much to leave you alone. Some of you wish God would leave you alone right now. And you can't wait for this service to be over with. But he's saying to you, I love you. And I know, and you know, that things are not right with you and me. And the thought of you being separated from God for eternity, you got to realize he created you. He is your father, God, daddy. He loves you. And no daddy wants to see anything bad happen to one of their children. But sometimes us daddies can't keep our kids from doing certain things. He can't make you do something that you don't want to do. But if you know right now that you do not have that relationship with Jesus and you want to make all of that right, you are as close as a whisper. You are as close as having the faith to say, Jesus, I need you. So right now, with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, this is your moment. If you know that you can't lay your head on the pillow again tonight, not even one more night, without having a peace that comes from knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you've given your life to Him through faith, it's just your faith in God that saves you. He's not asking you to to be a perfect person. He knows you've got messes. But if you can say to Jesus right now, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll give you my life. I'll follow you. If you if you can say that and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord right now, would you just step out of your seat and start making your way down? Meet me down here at the bottom of these steps. Come on. Come on. Yep, come on. I see people moving. Come on, somebody else. Come on. Come on. Don't let fear hold you back, guys. We're talking about eternity right now. now. I know I've made this offer to this room lots of times, but I can't believe that everybody in here has said yes to Jesus. And hell is real and it's forever. Don't let, yes, praise God. Come on down. All right. Praise God. There, there are others that are afraid right now. So everybody in the room, just look to the person beside you and ask them, if I go down there with you, will you go? Come on, do it right now, man. We're talking eternity right now, man. This is all of eternity. If I go with you, will you go? Praise God. Come on down, fellas. Come on down. Come on. Who else? If I go down there, will you? If I go with you, will you go? Praise God. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't wait, guys. Don't wait. Don't sit there thinking about it. If God's putting it on your heart, today is the day of salvation. Praise God. You guys just find a spot right up here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. If I go with you, will you go? People are still coming. Come on, ask the person on the other side. Just don't ask, don't just ask the person you're comfortable with. Come on, man. Praise God. If I go with you, will you go? Come on. Man, God loves you so much. He's brought this message specifically to you. Don't let anybody be by themselves down here, guys. If y'all see somebody by themselves, somebody get with them. Praise God. Come on. Okay, 
Anybody else want to come before I start to pray? I'm going to lead this group in a, a prayer of salvation. Anybody else? Okay, here we go. If you have come up here and you're asking Jesus to save you and you want to give your life to him today, it cannot be just because you're afraid. That's part of it. But Jesus saving you, there's a contingency, and that contingency is that you are going to let him be the Lord of your life, and you're going to let him lead you. He will absolutely save you. He will be your Lord and your Savior, but you have to let him lead. And if that's what you want to do, if you're ready to make that decision to go all in, give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask everybody in the room, don't just leave them by themselves. Let's do this all together. Every, every person in the room, let's pray together. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I need you. My sins have separated me. I do not have a relationship with you. But I desperately want it. And I trust you today. Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. All of my faith is in your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I'll do my very best. Help me to follow you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now those of you who've just accepted Jesus as your Lord, here's what I want to say to you. Hold that applause just a minute. Hold, hold your applause just a minute. We're going to celebrate in just a minute. But here's what I want to say to you. You have made a decision today to give your life to Christ. This is not an emotional thing. This is a thing where you are choosing to let him be your Lord and Savior. As you're making, I see y'all making your way back. Everybody hang out just a minute. This is very important. This is very important. This is very important. This is not just about what happened right now. Salvation has happened in this moment. I, Jackie, I need your help right now. I need your help. And maybe some of, some of you ladies might can help me. Every person who has just accepted Jesus as your Lord, I need you to see Jackie and these ladies right here. Get one of these cards and fill it out. The only way that I can follow up with you and help you to make your next step to learn how to walk with Jesus is to get that information. Make your way over here. Make sure that we get a card. We're not going to harass you, but we're going to help you to find your next step. Find your way over here. Find your way over. If you prayed with someone who just asked Jesus to save them, it is your responsibility right now to get them over here and get a card filled out so that we can follow up with them. Now, church, can we celebrate? Come on, praise God. Y'all are so good, man. I know I'm going forever today, but this is so important. The second question for you, if you've already given your life to Christ, first question is, do you know? The second question is, I need to know who the Paul Revere's are in here. I need to know who the people are that care enough about your family and friends. You hear this message today. It, I don't feel like y'all are hearing me right now. I don't feel like y'all are hearing me right now. Here's what I'm telling you. The world is in peril right now. And the Christians are the ones who are to tell people about Jesus. And there are some people in this room right now that God wants to stir up your heart and to tell you that it is up to you. It's not just up to the preacher or the church to tell people. you got to live a life that's a model for the people around you. And you got to open your mouth and tell people that Jesus loves them and Jesus saves. So as they begin to sing, as they begin to play, 
the only way that we can do this is through prayer. And if God is impressing on your heart to be that Paul Revere to your family, get up here, man. Let's get on our face. Let's pray to God and let him break loose in this place. Let's go. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. 